you will be opening your Bibles to the book of Philemon. Uh, We're going to do a series of lessons over the next few weeks dealing with the one chapter epistles of the New Testament. Now, I say that and then I thought of a couple good sermons uh, that I might want to preach the next two weeks due to the upcoming homecoming, uh, encouraging and how we can make that event successful and the upcoming election, the midterm elections that will be happening uh, here in the next few weeks. I'm not sure if Tennessee has any important elections coming up, but I know Georgia does. And uh, we covet your prayers very, very uh, importantly uh, down in Georgia. And I might be preaching a sermon uh, the next week on Christian and voting and how we can make this country a Christian nation again by voting our for the right people and how we can go to the polls with principles. So I might put this, this series on hold for two weeks. I, I hate that because I was looking forward to it, but I think that I might uh, take a break from it for the next two weeks, just kind of looking at the calendar and preaching some important topics uh, that need to be preached the next two weeks. But uh, we're going to go ahead and begin today with Philemon. You know, one thing that I see people do on different mission trips that I go on and as I travel throughout the country is one thing that people collect are different items from the places they go. Some people like to collect lapel pins. That's that's kind of my thing that I like to collect when I go different places is I like to get a lapel pin that I can wear or put on my, my cork board with all my different lapel pins showing different places I've been. This summer I was able to go to the Boston Tea Party uh, Museum and I got a lapel pin from there. I went to Fenway Stadium or Fenway Park. I got a lapel pin from there. I went to the Mayflower. I uh, got to see that. Got a lapel pin there. Went to Cape Cod. Got a lapel pin from there. But one thing that people like to do also that, that is very inexpensive, that's very cheap, that's memorable, that'll even have a picture on it, is postcards. People like to collect postcards from different places they go, different different things that they go and see. Maybe, maybe they go to the uh, Grand Canyon and instead of buying a t-shirt, a lot of people like to buy t-shirts, but they want to keep it on a budget. They just buy a postcard with maybe a picture of where they stood or, or a place that they've gone to collect that postcard. The book of Philemon is a very short book. It's actually Paul's shortest book that he wrote, and it's actually a very personal letter. Many of Paul's letters that he wrote was written to a congregation, such as the books of 1 and 2 Corinthians, through all the way uh, going through those different books, those pastoral epistles and uh, prison epistles. Uh, but you also have some personal letters in there, such as the books of 1 and 2 Timothy. But this is really Paul's most personal letter, right to an individual that was a member at the church of Colossae. And we know that, as I'm going to show you here in a few minutes. But this is Paul's most personal letter, but it's very short. So it reminds me of a postcard. You know, you get a postcard, maybe you're going to send it to somebody to show them that where you've been or where you're going. And, and they just write a very brief message on it. And this is Paul's most brief message, and it reminds me of a postcard because of that. So I want us to look at the book of Philemon this morning because it's very short, because it's very brief, and look at some things that we can gather from it in a very personal message that Paul wrote to this brother in Christ, Philemon. When I was began studying this, I was like, okay, no problem, 25 verses, I can cover that in one lesson. Now I'm like, I need three lessons to get through this material, but I'm going to keep it very brief this morning. Number one, I want us to look at the people. There's a lot of different people that are mentioned in this one book of the Bible that are very, very important. You know, there's different people that are mentioned in this book that are very, very 
important throughout the New Testament. But there's some people that are only mentioned in the book of Philemon or the book of Colossians, but yet they're very important to the church, and we're going to notice that as we look at these. Let's, let's notice a few people that are very important to this book. Number one, let's notice the author. Who is the author of this book? Of course, it is Paul. Paul is the author of the book of Philemon. There he opens up in verse number one of this book. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ and Timothy, our brother. So number one, who is our author? It's Paul. And notice what he is, what kind of condition he is in. He is in prison for what cause? For preaching the gospel. This is one of Paul's Roman imprisonments. He is in prison in Rome and he is there because of preaching the gospel. Throughout this book, you're going to see Paul referring to him being in chains or him being uh, locked up in prison, uh, referring to, to his stay in that jail cell in Rome. But the word Paul in the Greek literally means little. And I find that very interesting because of two ways that it could be translated. Paul, meaning little, could refer to him in his stature. Uh, history tells us that Paul was actually a very little man. He was very short in stature. Therefore, the word, the name Paul was given to him because of his looks, because of his physical appearance being a very short man. But it also could be Paul meaning little in the, in the spiritual sense. You know, Paul was a man that looked to himself as the chief of sinners or the least among all the saints. First Timothy chapter one. In verse number 15, and there because of that, he might refer to him as Paul, the little one, the, the smallest, the least among all the saints. But Paul is the writ letter, is the author of this book to Philemon. Let's notice number two, the sender of this book, the one that, that helped co-write this letter with, with Paul, and that is Timothy. There in verse number one, Paul, a prisoner, he's the author, but then the one that is helping write this book there with Paul is Timothy. Of course, we know that Paul and Timothy had a very close relationship. You read the books of First and Second Timothy. But there, of course, Timothy was with Paul during this Roman imprisonment. And then we see who this letter was written to. It was written to Philemon. We'll have more to re- talk about Philemon here in a second. But it says there, continuing in verse 1, Paul and Timothy, uh, writing to our brother Philemon, a fellow friend and laborer. And then look at verse 2. Here's some unsung heroes of the New Testament because they're only mentioned pretty much here in the book of Philemon in the New Testament. But you have Epipha and Archippus, our fellow soldier. Now, if you read the ESV, it says to our beloved Epipha and it says our sister. So we know Epipha is a lady's name because it, it is there in the in the ESV translated sister. And then you got Archippus, which is a man. And history tells us that most likely they were a husband and wife a companion in the gospel. So you see here you see this this Christian family. You got Epipha and Archippus and what are they doing? They are fellow soldiers. They are fellow laborers together. They are fighting the good fight of Christ. We could talk about how that we are in a fight, a spiritual warfare. Ephesians chapter 10, 6 through 17. And we need to be ready to go to battle and they were. But one thing I want you to notice about these two people, Epipha and Archippus, they are fellow soldiers Notice this last phrase in verse number 2. And to the church in your house. It was very common during New Testament times that, that they would meet in each other's homes. It was, it was a common phrase. You read Acts chapter 2 and verse number 46. They went from house to house. And what were they doing? They were worshiping God. You go and you see different things. So we see these people here, these, these Epipha and Archippus, being very, very hospitable because they're opening up 
their own home for what reason? For worshiping God, to, to have a place of worship in which they can all come together to worship God. You might be thinking, That's, they're not very important, but friends, how important was it for the church at Colossae? Because the church at Colossae worshiped at their house. They were a great, great influence to that community. They were a great influence to that church because of their hospitality, because of their love for the church, because they were open and willing to open up their doors. And we, That's a great, great lesson we can learn from these two people about hospitality and opening up their home. You see in verse 3, grace and peace to you, our God and Father and Lord Jesus Christ. That's just a typical greeting. Verse number 4 is a typical greeting of Paul except for the letters in, in Corinth. And that is, I thank my God making mention of you in my prayers. Now look at verse 5. Well, let's go back to Philemon. The book of Philemon, of course, is written to Philemon. And is one common purpose. We'll talk about that. But notice some characteristics about Philemon. We don't read about Philemon very much except for the book of Colossians in here. But notice what it says here. Hearing of your love and faith, which I have towards the Lord Jesus Christ and to all the saints that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation or comfort in your love because of the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Man, notice a lot of good things about this man named Philemon, about this brother in Christ, as, as Paul calls him in verse number one. Notice number one, Paul is thankful for this man. He is thankful. Look at verse number four. I thank my God making mention of you in my prayers. This wasn't just some, somebody that Paul had come in contact with and forgotten about it, but it was somebody that Paul had a personal relationship with. He says, I thank my God upon you always. I'm remembering you in my prayers. He was thankful for this man. He was thankful for the work that he was involved. He was thankful for the doors that this man had done. But let's number two notice the telling of his faith. The telling of his faith. Look at verse 5. Hearing. I want you to focus in on that word there in verse number 5. Hearing. That means as Paul went about on his missionary journeys, you know what people did? They told Paul about this man named Philemon. Hey, have you heard about this man Philemon? Let me tell you about him. He's a good man. He does this, this, and this. And we're going to talk about, about the things he did as we look at this text. But, you know, word travels fast. Word travels fast. You know, bad news travels really fast. But good news does too. And that's what we see here. By people, as Paul went on these different missionary journeys, he said, have you heard about Philemon? Different people came up to him telling about him. He had heard of, number one, his love. That is his charity. Philemon had a great, great love for the Lord and towards all the saints. Number two, we see that he had heard of his faith which you have in the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints. Here we see of his commitment. He had charity, but he also had commitment to his faith. He was committed man of faith. He was a man of faith. He lived by his faith. He lived out his faith. And how did he do that? Look at verse number 6. By the sharing of your faith. That was Philemon lived out the great commission. He didn't just simply live it out. We talked about that this morning from Ezra 7 and verse 10. But he also told people about it. He obeyed the great commission of Jesus to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Philemon was a man that was on a mission. That was the mission of telling others about the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and their need for obedience to the gospel. But also he was a man of 
of comfort. Looking there at verse number 7. For we have great joy of your constellation, or other translations say comfort. He was a comforting man. He was a man that, that brought comfort to the church. In your love, because of your hearts, for the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Because of his comfort, because of his love towards his fellow man, and especially those who were Christians in the church at Colossae, what happened because of that? They were revived, they were refreshed, they were renewed because of his spirit and because of his compassion that he had towards those brethren. Friends, we need more Philemons in our church. We need people that, are, that have charity, that have love. We need to have people that are committed to the Lord. We need to have people that are on the commission that is the great commission. We need to have a people that is full of comfort. People that are full of constellation. Philemon, an unsung hero of the New Testament, but people that we need to follow after. And then there is our last person that we need to talk about. We've looked at the, Paul being the scribe of this letter, Timothy being the sender. We looked at the soldiers, Epipha and Archippus. We looked at who this letter was sent to, Philemon. But what about the slave? And that's really why this whole book is about, is, is really about a man named Onesimus. We're going to talk more about him, but looking at verse number uh, 8 through down through the rest of this chapter, really verse number 22 is the meat and the heart of this, and that is about a man named Onesimus. You don't see his name mentioned until verse number 10, there where Paul says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who I have begotten while in my chains. Hey, I met, I met this man named Onesimus. I am writing to you because he needs to come back to you is essentially what Paul's going to say. He says, I'm going to send him back to you so he can be profitable for you. And that's what this whole book is about. It's about this one man named Onesimus that was a runaway slave from his owner, Philemon, from his master. And Paul met him while in prison in Rome. And he says, I'm sending him back to you. And that's who this last character is, and that is Philemon. So it might bring the question, number number two is our purpose. So we looked at number one, the people. But number two, let's notice the purpose. I want to ask two questions about the purpose. Number one, why did Paul write this book? And that's when we're going to look at verses 8 through 22 in depth. But number two, why is this book in the New Testament? You might be thinking, why, why, you know, when, when, they, when the people were putting together and looking at is this book inspired or is this book non-inspired and we came up with the 66 books of the Bible. Why did they put this one book in there? Why did they put the book of Philemon in there? Have you ever wondered that? I'm going to talk about that here in a second. So number one, let's go. When we look at our purpose, why did Paul write this book? I'm going to give you two purposes that Paul wrote this book. Number one was to plea for Onesimus. To plea on the behalf of Onesimus. And that is from verse number 8 down through verse number 16. So let's look at that. Look at verse number 8. Therefore I might be be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting. Yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such a one as, as Paul the aged, and now in prisoner of Christ Jesus. Okay, so what he's saying here in verse number 8 and verse number 9 is, hey, I could come to you with authority, and I could come with you as an apostle and a man of authority, but I'm not going to do that for love's sake. For love's sake, I'm just going to come to you as an older, aged Christian. Look there at verse number 9. Paul, of course, getting towards the end of his life, he says, I'm the aged one, I'm the older one, and I'm not going to write to you of a man of authority, but I'm going to write to you one that is coming with comfort, coming with charity, coming with love because of love's sake. 
Now let's notice what else Paul says here. Verse 10, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who I my begotten in my chains, for once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and me. You know, you think about that, that phrase there in verse number 11. He says, he was unprofitable to you. Maybe that was because Onesimus was giving a hard time to Philemon while he was living there. And definitely he wasn't profitable to Philemon because he was away from him. How can he be profitable as a slave to a slave owner when he's not even there to work for him? He's saying, hey, he's not even beneficial to you right now. But now I'm going to send him back to you because he is beneficial to you. He's going to be helpful for you. He's going to be profitable to you for this. And he's not only going to be profitable to you, but also to me. And that is because he became a New Testament Christian while he was away. And he's going to be profitable for his work, but also for the cause of Christ and the spreading of the gospel. Look at verse number 12. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart, whom I wish to keep with you, with me, that is on your behalf he might be minister to me and my change for the gospel. Hey, verses 12 and 13 can be summarized like this. I could keep him here with me. And he could do me a lot of good while I'm in prison. He could do a lot of good to me while I'm ministering into my chains, while I'm locked up in this jail cell in Rome. But hey, I'm going to do the right thing, and he's going to do the right thing by going back to you and minister to you and help you out. Verse 14, But without your consent I wanted to do nothing, that your good deeds might be done by compulsion, that is, but voluntary. Now look at verse 15. For perhaps... He departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive Him forever. And that's one of the points I'm going to emphasize here in a minute about providence. Paul here is pleading on the case of Onesimus. And Paul looking at the bigger and better picture here in verse 15 by simply saying, hey, maybe the reason he departed was so that he would be better off in the long haul, so that he could be profitable to you Forever. But look, and this is why. Look at verse 16. He clarifies this statement of why he might be profitable forever. He says, No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, and how much to you, more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Hey, maybe the reason that he was able to get away was because he learned the simple message of the New Testament gospel. And he obeyed that simple teachings of the gospel. And now he's a brother in Christ. And he's a brother in Christ. And I'm going to send him back to you. So number one, he can be profitable to you in the flesh. But not only to the flesh. But also for the cause of Christ. And help, helping preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. How much more profitable is that? And here Paul is pleading with, with, a, with, a, with Philemon. Saying, please look at him. Not as just a slave, but as a brother in Christ, because that's what he is. And that's what Paul is doing here. So number number one, why is this book in being written? Because Paul is pleading on Onesimus' behalf. But number two is because of the promise that Paul is going to give Philemon. So number one is the plea. He's begging him to receive Onesimus back. But number two is a promise. A promise that Paul gives to Philemon if he receives Onesimus. Look at this next section beginning in verse 17. If then. Now anytime you see the word if and then, most of the time is a conditional statement. If this happens, then this. 
And that's what you see here. If you count me as a partner, if you look to me as somebody that is worthy of the spreading of the gospel and a partner in the gospel of Christ, receive him as you would me. Hey, when he walks back up on your property, and when you see, when you see Onesimus, you look at him as you would receive me. Don't look at him as somebody that had run away and, and maybe even stole goods from you or stole stolen property from you, but look at him as you would me. Because those things are behind him. Those things have been forgiven from him. He's a changed man. He's a new creature in Christ. Because he's put on Christ in baptism. That, that goes back to verse number 16. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, but a beloved brother. Look at him as a new babe in Christ. Verse number 18. But if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. Paul here making a promise to Philemon is, hey, if he's taken anything from you, if he's stolen anything, you put that on my tab and I'll pay the tab when I come. Because Paul had all intentions to come back to Colossae to visit this brother in Christ. And we can look at that down in verse number uh, 20, uh, I think 21, 22. And he says, prepare a guest room from him. He says, hey, when I come, basically I'm going to pay my tab up. I'm going to pay the debts of Onesimus for him. And he's making that promise to him. So number one, he says, don't, don't, number one, receive him as you would me. Number two, if he's wronged anything, I promise I'm going to pay his debts. Number, verse number 19, I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay you, not to mention to you that you owe me even, even your own self besides. So there was some, something that Paul, that, uh, Philemon owed Paul. And we don't know what that is, but he says, hey, you owe me. And I'm going to be owing you, and maybe we can settle that out later. Verse number 20, yes, brother. Let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Now look at how much how much assurance and faith that Paul had in this man named Philemon. Look at 21. Having confidence in your obedience. Hey, I have, I have some confidence that you're going to do exactly what I have commanded you to say, that I have encouraged you to say because of love's sake. I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Not only are you going to receive him like you would me, you're going to go far beyond what I have commanded you. Verse 22, But meanwhile also prepare for me a guest room, for I trust that even that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Hey, I'm going to come see you. And when I come see you, I'm going to come see you, Philemon. But I cannot wait to see you, and I pray that I can see you, and that I shall be granted to you to you that we can work this out so number number two is our purpose why did paul write this book to plea on the behalf of onesimus to receive him back but number two for a promise that was made if he received onesimus back and that's why you have these 25 verses in your new testament but number two why is this canonized many times we use that word canonized as one that refers to having our 66 books of the new testament why is this book part of the New Testament canon? Why is it that when they put the Bible together, they included this in? I'm going to make it very, very quick. Number one, and this is probably the one lesson I want you to remember from this. Everybody is on equal footing when it comes to the cross of Jesus Christ. Everybody is equal when it comes to the cross of Jesus Christ. Notice there in verse number 16 and 17, it says, No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, but a beloved brother. And then verse 17, If you count 
me as a part and receive him as you would me. Paul saying there, hey, don't receive him as a slave, but receive him as a brother, because that's what he is. And I think the purpose that we have this book in the New Testament is that God shows no partiality, but if you are a Christian and you are obedient to him, it doesn't matter your social economic status, it doesn't matter your race, it doesn't matter your gender, it doesn't matter anything. But if you're a New Testament Christian and been faithful to Him, you will hear those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of thy Lord. And let me prove one verse to show you that. Go to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. This is a a verse we many times refer to in in talking about being uh, in Christ and how we get put, we get in Christ and how we put on Christ. But many times we stop there at verse number 27. Galatians 3, if you look at verse number 26, he says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you that were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And we stop right there and say, hey, how does one become a Christian? How does one get in Christ? And what do we say? Through the waters of baptism. And that would be absolutely correct. But look at the next two verses. For there is neither Jew nor Greek. In Christ, if you are a new creature, if you if you have put, been in the waters of the grave of baptism, put on Christ, guess what? It doesn't matter your race. You can be a Jew or you can be a Gentile. It's open to everyone. Notice this next phrase, and that's why I want to focus in on. There is neither slave nor free. It doesn't matter if you're a slave man or if you're a free man. There is neither male nor female. It doesn't matter about your gender. Notice this, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Why do we have the book of Philemon in the Bible? To show that we are all one in Christ Jesus. And I think also to show the redemption love story. Because we represent Onesimus. We in the, when you look at the story in the, in the book of Philemon... There's some points that we need to look at. Some, some points of emphasis that we need to look at. And that is that we are Onesimus. We are the Onesimus. So number one, we looked at the people. We looked at Paul. We looked at Archippus. We, look at, we looked at Philemon. We looked at how they were great Christians. We looked at the purpose of this book. But number three, what's the points we need to remember? And there's one overarching point that I want you to remember. And that is, yes, that we're all one in Christ. doesn't matter if we're slave or free. But there's one point I want you to remember. We are Onesimus. And I want, you, I want to give you four points in which we are Onesimus. Number one, we have left our master. Look, look at Philemon verse number 15. Philemon verse 15. For perhaps he departed for you a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. Notice that phrase there. For he departed for a while. What about the prodigal son? What happened to him? He went to a far country. What did he do? He departed for a while. Who represents the prodigal son in that situation, me and you? And what did they have to do? They had to come home to their father. What about here in this story? Onesimus departed for a while and to come back to his master. What about me and you? Haven't we left our father? Haven't we left our master God, the father? our Master God and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, haven't we left Him for a while when we had to come back home? Hold, hold your markers here and go with me to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53. Of course, Isaiah chapter 53 is the 
suffering servant, suffering uh, servant of Jesus long before he went to the cross at Calvary. And it talks about Jesus' brutal death upon that cross and how that he suffered and died for me and for you and how he was a substitutionary sacrifice. But notice verse number 6. It's talking about me and you in verse 6. All we, like sheep, have what? Gone astray. We have what? Departed. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What do we notice here? We notice that we've departed. We represent Onesimus in this book. We have departed at some point in our life, and we have to come back home to the Master. We've got to repent and pray and come back home before it's everlastingly too, what, too late. A second way in which we are like Onesimus is that we are unprofitable. We are unprofitable. Look at verse number 10 and 11 in, in Philemon. He says, I appeal to you, my son, Onesimus, whom while begotten in my change, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. Now, in the English rendering of this translation, you're not going to see this, but the word Onesimus literally means profitable. And the problem with, with this is that Onesimus was not living up to his name. You know, if Onesimus means profitable and he was being unprofitable, he's not living up to his name. What about me and you? Are we living up to our name? You might be thinking, well, my name means such and such. Or my last name means such and such. I'm not talking about your physical name. I'm talking about your spiritual name. And that is Christian. Are you living up to your spiritual name? Because if we are a Christian, if we're a New Testament Christian, we need to be living up to that name. Here Philemon is not living up to his name of being profitable because he's away from his master. He has departed for a while. He's being unprofitable. He's got to get back home and be profitable. Have you been living up to that name of Christian? You know, the word Christian only appears three times in your New Testament. Acts 11 and verse number 26, they were first called Christians in Antioch. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 16, talking about suffering as a Christian. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 12, talking also about suffering as a Christian. If a man lives godly in Christ, you just shall suffer persecution. Are you living up to that name? Are you living up to being a disciple, a learner, a follower of Christ? Because we got to live up to our name. But have you been profitable? Have you been profitable? What about Romans chapter number 3? And there in Romans chapter 3, we, we studied that a few weeks ago with, with um, Luke. And look at Romans chapter 3 and verse 12. Might be good if I get to the right book. I'm in Acts. Romans 3 and verse 12. Notice what it says there. For we all, all have turned aside. We have, we have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. All of us at one point in our life has been unprofitable. The question right now is, are you being profitable? Have you been doing what you need to do to gain benefits, to, to, to do the good work of Jesus Christ, doing the things that you need to do? What about 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 11? There where Paul writes to the young evangelist Timothy, and he says there uh, in verse number 11, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful, for he is profitable for me in my ministry. So at one point, Paul and, and John Mark, of course, had that, that contention. 
But now he says, hey, he's been useful. He is profitable for me. Bring him with you. He can help us in this journey. Friends, if you're not actively involved in the work of the church, you're not profitable to him. We've got to be actively seeking and doing his will in that. And also 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 21, Therefore, if anyone uh, cleanses him, himself from the latter, he'll be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master and prepared for every good. Notice there, profitable or useful for the master's work. How profitable, how useful are you being for the Lord's work? We need to always be looking for that. You know, another way that we are Onesimus is that we have to have intercession. If Onesimus went up to Philemon, his slave owner, and just showed up, it probably would have not went worked very well for Onesimus. Probably would have had to be punished for being a runaway slave and had to be, uh, you know, had to serve some kind of punishment because of that, maybe even beaten, beaten or whatever the circumstances was during that time. But because Paul went to Philemon and wrote this letter on the behalf of Onesimus, the word is interceded for Onesimus. How much better was Onesimus for this? He had a need for intercession. What about me and you? We need an interceder. We need somebody to intercede on our behalf. First Timothy chapter 2, 3-5, through five, there's only one mediator, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a better mediator under the better covenant, Hebrews 7 and verse 22 through verse 25, and that is Jesus Christ. Friends, we have the best mediator. We have the best intercessor that could ever be happening. You know why? Because he goes on... On behalf of our case to God the Father. You know what Jesus says? I know what it was like to go through that temptation. I know what it was like to be, be ridiculed and to go through that temptation as a man. And that's why Jesus is the best intercessor we could ever have because he understands what it's like to be tempted in all points as a man. Hebrews 4 and verse 15. Friends, I'm thankful Jesus is our intercessor because he understands our weaknesses. Hebrews 4 and verse 15. So we are Onesimus, number one, because we left our master. We are Onesimus because at one point we we're unprofitable. Number three, we need to have an intercessor as well. But fourthly and lastly, we had to have somebody pay our debts. If you look at the last part, we looked at this in verses 17 through 19. Paul there making the promise to Philemon of, hey, Whatever he owes you, whatever he's taken from you, I will pay it for him. I'm whatever whatever debt he owes you, I'm willing to pay it up. What about me and you? We have a debt that cannot be paid, and that is our sin debt to our holy and most righteous God. But we have somebody willing to pay it on our behalf. You know, Romans six and verse number twenty three says, "For the wages of sin is death." That is, the price of sin is equal to death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The reason that we can have the hope of heaven, the reason that we can have eternal life with Christ Jesus is because Jesus paid our debts. Yes, Philemon had, or excuse me, Onesimus had debts, but Paul is willing to pay them all. We have debts to our God, but Jesus wiped them clean. He, he, he uh, eliminated them for us, for me and for you.
First Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 6 says this, Who gave himself a ransom for all to be tested in due time. Jesus Christ died for us to pay our debts. There's a song that we many times sing at Bible camps and other events throughout uh, the teens. Is he owed a debt. Excuse me, I owe a debt I could not pay. But Jesus paid the debt for me and for him, for you. And what a beautiful song that is to see this picture of, man, we, we couldn't pay them back. But Jesus took our debts and wiped them clean. That's the story of Onesimus. We looked at the people. We looked at the purpose. But number three, we looked at the points to remember. We are Onesimus. So when next time you read the book of Philemon, think about me and you. How that we were unprofitable. How that we have left our Savior. How that we need an intercessor. And how that God has paid our debts for us. And that Paul paid the debts of Onesimus. Maybe you're here this morning and you think, you know what, I'm unprofitable. I've not been beneficial for the cause of Christ. You can come this morning and repent. And we'll be glad to pray with you and for you. But maybe you're here this morning and you are not in Christ. We looked at Galatians 3 and verse number 26 through 28. We talked about how that one becomes a Christian by being put on Christ, being added to Christ, and there in Christ, we all have equal footing because we're at the cross of Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to become a Christian. Onesimus became a Christian while he was away from Philemon. And that is that he believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He repented of his sins. He confessed the sweet name of Jesus, and he was buried in the water of grave of baptism for the forgiveness of sins, Acts 2.38. If we can help you anyway, come now as together we stand and as we sing.